Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Tonight we're going to be um, talking about the life of Jacob. We're picking up in Genesis uh, 25. Um, but before we continue, can we give our online audience a hand clap? I'm watching you Facebook and YouTube. Thank you all so much for joining us and being with us. Please click that share button, like button, so we can spread this message to as many people as possible. Uh, tonight we're picking up in Genesis 25. Uh, Genesis 25, a little context of this story. So Isaac and Rebecca, um, they have been married for 20 years and they have gone without having a child. And back in that day, um, to have children was to be um, seen as blessings from God. Even today, who knows that children are a blessing from God? Some of your parents are like doing like a half hand. Who knows that children are a blessing from God? But in that day, it was a superstition that if you're not able to have children, and it was a sign that God is displeased with you. It was a sign that something was wrong with you, and it was, it was something of um, really disgrace for not to be able to have a child. And so for 20 years, they struggled with this, and for 20 years, they prayed until finally Rebecca uh, became pregnant after 20 years of prayer. Um, just from seeing that, just from the start, I just know that who knows that prayer works. It might not happen right away, but God has his way uh, and his timing to meet you um, by faith and to, to, to meet you in the season that he has planned it and that he has willed it in that season. So after 20 years, after decades of praying, Rebecca became pregnant uh, with twins, and that's where we pick up in verse 22. And it reads this. It says, but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. And she said, why is this happening to me? And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. And from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. And one nation will be stronger. Everybody say stronger. Stronger. Will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your youngest son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. And the first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair and like a fur coat. So they named him Esau, which means hairy in Hebrew. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Um, The title for tonight's um, talk or, or message is turning resolutions into results, turning resolutions into results. And I'm not talking about results um, based upon man's opinions or man's decisions, but results based upon the plans that God has for your life. A lot of times we create decisions and we create planning and schemes just to realize that once we get here, this isn't the result that was meant for me. But what tonight's going to be about is creating resolutions that produces the results that God wants for your life. Uh, let's pray over tonight. Father, uh, we thank you for gathering us, God. God, we gather for no other reason other than your name, Jesus. So we welcome in your Holy Spirit. God, we welcome in your will into this place, Father. And we just, God, we just thank you for open minds and soft hearts, God, that, that let your Holy Spirit begin to mend, begin to transform, God. Let your name, God, begin to produce, God, an experience on the inside of us, Father, that lasts a lifetime, God, that we just thank you that we don't have to leave this place the same way we walked in, God, but we welcome in your Holy Spirit. 
we welcome in the Spirit of God to transform us from the inside out, God. We thank you for addiction fleeing, God. We thank you for depression breaking, Father. We thank you for anxiety, God, the grasp of anxiety, God, releasing right now in this moment as we begin this to speak faith and agreement right now tonight that, Father, your will will be done. And that, God, we hand this service over to you and let your spirit do what you do best, God, and that's transform us from the inside out. So we love you so much, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. So when Jacob was born, it said he was holding the heel of Esau. And because of that, his parents named him Jacob, which quite literally in Hebrew means heel grabber. But it also means um, schemer and um, a deceiver and somebody, a, a trickster. And that, so before Jacob was even said his first words, he already had this identity cast upon him, this um, identity of being a trickster and a schemer and a deceiver which ironically was the exact type of life that if you read scripture, that's the type of life that Jacob lived out. He, he schemed his way to things. He, he um, betrayed people. He cheated people. And that's how he, he lived the early part of his life. And that just comes to show me you need to be very careful what you name your kids. Man, there's some, some crazy kids' names I'm hearing. I'm like, do they know what they're saying over their kids? It's like... They named their kid like, you know, Little Lucifer or something, something weird, you know. And like, you know what you're doing? It's, it's something that you're, you're creating an identity for him. And so Jacob, he, he was a schemer and, and a trickster. And um, he always made plans of his own. And as we are about to begin a new trek into the year of 2022, um, you're about to see so many people uh, you're about to see a lot of Instagram posts and Facebook posts. Um, you're about to see the gyms be packed again on January 1st. You're about to see all these resolutions, and you're about to you know, hear all your friends say, New Year, New Me, right? You're about to see all those things take place. You're about to see all these resolutions, all these plans, all these schemes, all these ways of how we can better ourselves and all these different things of how we can achieve our goals. You're about to see it all. You're about to see your Instagram feed blow up, your Facebook posts blow up. and Because with a new year, it brings a new sense of optimism. It brings kind of a new sense of a fresh start. There's, there's something about um, a, a, a new year. There's something about January 1st that in our minds we get optimistic about the future where we, we begin to think to ourselves, you know what, maybe this or this next year is better than the year I just had. And we become uh, very optimistic about the future. And we have this, this idea that it brings a fresh start. But can I tell you something? There is nothing special about January 1st that it doesn't affect you like any other day would affect you, that there's not some spe special, you know, uh, magic on it that once you start January 1st hits, you have these different freedoms that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. There, there's, there's nothing special about January 1st, but there is something special about being a child of God. Because although you might feel like you have a fresh start on January 1st, can I say you have a fresh start every morning with Jesus? That every morning his mercies are new, and it doesn't matter what you even did yesterday. You can start tomorrow and saying, God, I'm going to start living for you even though I just messed up. That's the mercies of God. And that even though I might have failed, that doesn't mean that my future is now forsaken. But if I just say, Jesus, forgive me, his mercies are new for you and I. We don't have to wait for a new year to begin to make 
different decisions. We don't have to wait for the turn of the calendar to start looking at our own character, but we can actually start acting upon now. And it actually hit me pretty hard when Pastor Bobby said, when he said, we don't even have to wait in a few days. He said, I don't know if you call. He said, we can start right now. And I believe that's that something for us is that we don't have to wait for man's calendar. We don't have to wait for, for things to line up, or we don't have to act like the stars have to align before we get a prayer life, or we don't have to say, you know what, I messed up on January 2nd, so now i got to wait a whole calendar year before I start getting into the will of God. Can I say, as a child of God, as, as you and I, as being part of his body, as, as being able to, to say that we've been saved by his blood, every morning is a new opportunity to say yes to Jesus. What I love about living this life with Jesus, it doesn't matter how many steps you made in the wrong direction, all it takes is one step in the right direction to be right on track in his will, to be right on track with his path with you. So I just want to encourage everybody right off the bat, if you feel like you even have to wait just for a few more days, January 1st, until you stop, start giving up those addictions, until you start giving up those things, can I say you can start right now? That's the power of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. But I think resolutions and planning and having goals, I actually think that's a good thing, um, a great thing even. Um, even myself, every year I write down things that I think uh, I need to do better. I write down things that, that needs to be done. But um, did you know that of everybody in this is past year who had resolutions and wrote resolutions, that only 7% actually kept them? That out of everybody who wrote down goals, only 7% met their goals. Now, I don't think it's because we're all this so undisciplined. I really don't think that's the case. I don't think it's because we, we lack ambition. I think we have a lot of people who have ambition in their lives. But I think what is the problem is that we lack direction. I think the problem is we begin to get ahead of ourselves, that we begin to plan for ourselves, that we begin to set goals, and like I said, set um, resolutions to get results that never meant for us. We get ahead of what God is wanting to do in our lives. Instead, we start doing things that we want for, for us, and that we begin to re write resolutions and set goals, and that once we get there, we realize, did I even ask God about this in the first place? So I don't think that it's the lack of ambition. I think it's the lack of direction that hurts us when we start to make set goals and begin to set plans for our lives. See, when ambition is aimed in the wrong direction, it leads to frustration. I don't know if you've ever been like me when I've been so ambitious that, you know, I, I, I begin to make plans and say, I'm going to start this and I'm going to do this. I'm going to read this, this many books. I'm going to read all these things. And because I, I, I lack direction when I get there and I realize it's not what I feel like and it's not what I thought it would be like, I get frustrated. And I begin to think, what's the point of, of dreaming? What's the point of having passions? What's the point of pursuing if you're just going to end up disappointed anyways? And what happens, what really concerns me the most is that not only did 7% of people are only the actual ones who achieve their goals, but even more concerning number, that just this past year, the highest number ever of people not even writing goals, not even writing resolutions, 65% of people last year didn't even write a resolution. Highest it's ever been. To me, that shows frustration. To me, that shows disappointment. To me, that shows that somebody thought, you know what, what's even the point of writing down a goal if even when I get there, it doesn't, it doesn't give me the result I was looking for? Well, what's the point of, of having a resolution even if I achieve it and not get the results I was hoping for? 
And so what happens is when ambition is frustrated, it can turn to apathy in our lives. It can turn to us to say, you know what, what's the point of dreaming? What's the point of having passions? What's the point of, of doing something new? You know, if, if I'm not going to get the results I want. And so we just settle for less. We, we settle for what we have and we become numb to the things that were ahead of us. But see, God doesn't want us to live a life like that. God doesn't want us to, to spend our time trying to, to find something new, to, try, to spend our time trying to achieve things outside of, of what God has for us. See, God wants us not to find something new, but to find what is true in our lives. The really first main thought of, of, of tonight is what if we spent 2022 not trying to be the new you, but the true you? And by, by that I mean the true you that's only found in the Word of God. I think that deserves a hand clap. The, the true you that's only found in the Word of God because we can get so caught up in trying to find what is new that we overlook what is true in our lives. We overlook the relationship that we have with God. We overlook the things that actually have an influence and affects our, our own peace and affects our own joy and confidence because if we have the true you secured, and by that, I mean in the word of God, in the identity of Jesus Christ, you won't have to find anything new because you have everything that you need. Let 2022 be a year that we pursue the true you. But our, our identity cannot be based on, on anything that this world has to offer. It has to be based on what Jesus has to offer. But the truth is, is that we can't find truth in, in man's plan, but we have to only find it in God's plan for our life. And what happened with Jacob is he's a, he was a schemer, he, a trickster, he was a planner. He, he, he trusted his plan way more than he trusted God's plan. And that's how he spent his life. He, in Jacob's early life, he cheated Esau out of uh, his birthright for, for, for soup. Now, I don't know if that's Esau's fault or Jacob's fault, but both of them are kind of wrong for that. And then, he would act, then, then Jacob would then steal Esau's blessing, his brother, his twin brother, he, he would steal his, he, his blessing by impersonating Esau and dressing up like Esau so that he could steal his blessing um, that Isaac was going to give to him. And he did all these things, and he cheated, and he betrayed. And because of that, Esau said that he was going to search him and try to find him to kill him. And because of that, um, Jacob had to flee his own home in the fear of his own brother. He would then fall in love with uh, Laban's daughter, Rachel, and um, spend seven years trying to win over Laban's blessing for Rachel. And as you know the story, Laban would actually trick the trickster. And on his wedding day, he switched out uh, Rachel with Leah, his other daughter, and, he, and Jacob ended up marrying Leah. Leah. It comes to show me that if you live and what you sow is what you're going to reap, that Jacob, he betrayed and he cheated and he tricked. And if you use those types of schemes to work your way to success, don't be surprised if you look around, you're surrounded with people willing to betray you and willing to trick you and willing to cheat you too. You will reap what you sow. And so he had to work another seven years for, for Laban. And so he finally married Rachel, who he wanted to marry in the first place. And he started a family. And he began to build his estate on Laban's land. And during this time, Jacob would acquire much wealth and what others and what the world would call success. But 
during this time of Jacob's life, he might have acquired wealth, but he never had peace in his life. He might have acquired things that the world said you will need, the, the, the type of things that the world says you need to make re resolutions for to meet, get these things. He, he had all the land. He, he had all the wealth, but he never had peace in his life. He was still on the run from his brother Esau. He was still not having um, the correct relationship with his, with his family members. And he wouldn't even go out that he would soon have to flee his own father-in-law Laban because he, he got jealous of him and wanted to kill him too. And so now he's on the run from his brother, and now he's on the run from his father-in-law. And then shortly after coming to an agreement with Laban, he hears that his brother Esau is near him. Uh, the, the, the brother who he's been running away for decades and decades because he thinks Esau is going to destroy him. Because he thinks Esau is going to take all that he's built. And so in Genesis 32, after all this happens, in Genesis 32, he sends, Jacob sends a message to Esau, after spending a life of, of deceit and betrayal and cheating and tricking and find himself in a mess that he created himself, find himself in a mess that came in fruition of his own plans and out of his own ambition, it leads him to this moment in Genesis 32 where he is approaching Esau and he knows that Esau is out to destroy him. And so he sends a message to him. And this is what it reads in Genesis 32 verse 4. He says, he told him, said, give this message to my master Esau. And he says, humble greetings. Isn't it funny, this guy who lives a life of deceits, who lives a life of, of tricking and cheating, has the audacity to say, I'm a humble servant or I'm humble greetings. I just come to say, actions always speak louder than words. And he continues, to, from your servant Jacob, until now I have been living uh, with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks of sheep and goats, and many servants, both men and women. Jacob is literally bragging about his blessings to the very person he stole blessings from, and he's thinking he's doing the right thing. But really, he says, hey, look, you know, I know I betrayed you, but I've been doing pretty good. You know, I've got all these blessings. i got all these things. And so he sent this message to Esau, and he continues, I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. But after delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported that we met your brother Esau, and he is already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household along with the flocks and herds and camels into two groups. He thought if Esau meets one group and attacks it, perhaps the other group can't escape. But can y'all begin to see and, and, and realize the consequences of Jacob's decisions? That although he was acquiring success, although he might have been acquiring some wealth, he was losing out on peace and confidence and joy. That although he was following his own plan and was achieving maybe man's wealth, he was missing out on what God had for him. And that he didn't have peace in his life. That he had bad relationships with his family. And he was constantly on the run for his own bad decisions that he made. To, see, to live a life outside of God's will is to, to live a life constantly on the run. I don't know if you ever experienced, I know everybody's saints in the house, but if you ever lived outside of God's will, you know what it feels like. It kind of feels like you're on the run. 
it kind of feels like you're trying to escape one bad decision to only get into another bad situation. It kind of feels like that you have no peace, even though you might be having some success. It, it, it feels like things might look right, but things don't feel right. Like when you're outside of God's will, you might have what man says is what you need, but on the inside you have a hole. And it kind of feels like you're running away from something. It kind of feels like you're running away from mistakes, running away from your past, maybe even running away from people and responsibilities. See, living a life outside of God's will will constantly make you feel like you're on the run. And some people are, are in this run right now and they don't even realize it. But in this run that they, they don't know they're in, it's, it's always chasing after what's next. Have you ever met these people who are like, all they do is talk, talk about what they're going to do next? And then they get to that next place. And then they just talk about what they're going to do next after that because they didn't fulfill them like how they thought. Like, oh, you know, once I get that next promotion, then I'm going to finally be happy. And then they get that promotion and say, well, once I get that next house, then I'm going to be fulfilled. And they get into that house and they say, well, well once I get that next vehicle. And what they don't realize is that they're living a life on the run. They're living on a life trying to fill themselves up with materialistic things. Trying to find purpose in what the world has to offer. Can I say that kind of life? Well, this leads you to, to, to a life constantly on the run. And it's exhausting to live that kind of life. Has anybody tried to, tried to live a life on your own outside of God's will and just be left feeling exhausted, worn out, defeated? That's kind of how Jacob's feeling right now. He's been doing everything that he's planned to do. He has all the wives. He has all the land. And he has all the servants. But he doesn't have any peace. Uh, he has bad relationships with his family. He doesn't have any joy in life. But see, only God's plan can lead you to his purpose. And that's point for number one for tonight is that we cannot plot our way to God's plan. We cannot plot our way to God's plan. It doesn't matter how much you scheme. It doesn't matter how much you plan. Jacob was a good planner and schemer. He knew everything. He, he knew how to get there. He knew all the things he needed to do. But even if you execute it all, if you don't follow after God's will, you won't get to, you won't get to God's purpose in your life. It, it, you cannot, it doesn't matter how many plans you come up with. It doesn't matter um, what kind of, of things you do. It doesn't matter how many self, self-help books you read. Unless you spend time in the presence of God, you won't get the direction that you need. And it doesn't matter how many podcasts you listen to. If you don't spend time in prayer, you're not going to get the insight that you need. What I'm trying to say tonight is that if you're living a life based upon your own understanding, you're going to live a life on the run. You're going to live a life not being able to be in the God's purpose that he has for you. You're going to live a life not being able to take that breath and take that deep breath of peace that only God's children can take. If you don't live a life that is in God's will, following after God's plan, you're just going to be executing your own will and find that something is lacking and something is missing. But when you pursue after God and his purpose, when you pursue after God and what he has for you, your life will never lack meaning. Your life will never lack peace. Even when people begin to panic around you, you will still have peace on the inside of you. Even when you begin to feel like you have a loss or, or sense of direction, you will still have the confidence to take that step of faith. Why? Because you're falling after God's plan for your life. You, know, you will never lack peace in your life because peace is not found in plans. Peace is found in a person. Peace only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Most people don't realize it who are outside of a relationship with Jesus, but if there's something that they're seeking and they're searching for and that they're missing, it's peace. 
a, a, a peace that goes beyond understanding, a, a peace that people don't realize what it feels like until you feel it. People don't know the power of God's peace until you're in his peace. We got, is there any witnesses in the house that know what God's peace feels like? That even when you look at things look bleak, you still have peace on the inside of you? That even in the middle of life's storm, you still feel God's peace on the inside of you? See, that's the difference and the separation between us and everybody else. Is that we might live in the same world, we might have the same problems, but we don't have the same peace. We might be dealing with the same things. But because I'm connected with, with the person who created all things and who knows me the best, I have a sense of peace that, that the world doesn't have, that the world can't offer, that money doesn't give you, that relationships don't give you, that fame can't offer, a sense of peace that only comes from the Spirit of God. And that is what we pursue after. See, peace is not found in plans or in people. See, peace is found in Jesus Christ. So Jacob is in fear of his life. He, he, he sees how everything is crumbling. He sees how all his plans have come to nothing. He sees that all his schemes and his cheating and his tricking has all led him to this moment where he's on the run. He's in fear for his life. He doesn't know how he's going to get out of this. And so he comes to a breaking point. He realizes that all his wealth he has still doesn't offer the healthy needs. Or he realizes that all the, all the prosperity and success is still not meeting the need on the inside of him. That he still is on the run. He still doesn't have the confidence that he thinks he needs. So with Esau, his brother, on his way to take over all of his possessions, to destroy him, he does a last-ditch effort. Sometimes it takes us to really be, like, at the end of our rope until we start praying, like, really start praying. You know, we, you know, we all like to pray, but it's in those times where, like, God, I have no other choice but to pray that we begin to really start praying and say, God, God, I have no, I don't have plan A, B, or C. I only got plan, you know, prayer, and that's you, God, because I have nothing else. He began to get in this moment with, with God in Genesis 32, where it reads this, Genesis 32, verse 22. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the, the Javik River with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent all um, over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled. Everybody say wrestled. A man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. See, there comes a point in everybody's life, every individual's life, where we have to wrestle with God. And the sense of saying, God, I've been living out the plan that I have schemed and it's not working out. And the sense of saying, God, I've been chasing after my own will, and I still feel empty on the inside of me. We all have to reach this breaking point where we realize we can't live this life on our own anymore. We have to reach this point where we say, God, I've tried. God, I've done all these things. God, I've achieved all these things, and yet I still feel empty without you. Yet I still feel lacking without your spirit. We all have to reach this breaking point where we wrestle with God and say, God, I need you. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I can't raise these kids on my own. God, I can't lead this business on my own. God, I, God, I can't even just live life on my own. God, I need you. We all have to reach that breaking point where we say, God, I can't do this. Because, see, we weren't meant to do this alone. We have to do this with God. We have to be able to surrender our life to God and say, God, we can't, I can't do this anymore on my own. And he reached that breaking point. And in verse 25, he says, when the man saw that, that he would not win in the match, he touched Jacob's hip and, and wrenched it out of its socket. 
So I, I think God did this not only to show how powerful he is, you know, and in an instant his hip came out of socket, but I think he showed it as a way to symbolize of, of that for, you, for him to follow after God, it would, it would take to sacrifice. It would take to live a life of, of humility. That for you to follow after God, you're going to have to walk differently than you did before. You might have to walk with, with a reminder like a limp of saying, oh God, I can't live this life on my own. You have to begin to walk a little differently and talk a little differently. You see, when you live a life with God, is living a life totally different than living a life on your own. See, and then I don't want to offend anybody, but if you say you're living a life with God, but you're living the same life you did before, can I say that's not living a life with God? Living a life with God should be something that just changes and flips your life upside down. It should be a life that totally takes you on a different path than you were on before. It should be a life we begin to walk a little differently, talk a little differently, where now you're not saying the things you used to say or do the things you used to do, but now you're living a life with God. It's not a life with man. It's not the old life you used to have. It's a new life, a totally different life, a life that's offered so many different things that you wouldn't have access to before. To live a life with God is that you've got to be ready to be totally different than you were before, a new creation. But if you ever lived that life with God, you know it's worth it. You might have to give up some routines. You might have to give up um, some, some things in your life and to change some areas in your life. But it's worth it. Because when you line your life up with God, that's when you begin to see his will take place in your life. And so in, tw- in verse 26, he said to the man, the man said to him, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob, the the man who thought he had it all together, the man who thought he didn't need any plans or schemes, the man who who thought that he could distrust his plan and that he didn't need God's plan, he didn't need God's direction as long as he was executing his own will, is now crying out to God, saying, God, I will not let go until you bless me. There has to come a point in our lives where we say, God, I I'm not letting you go. Sometimes you have to get in prayer. Say, God, I'm not leaving this house. I'm not leaving church. I'm not, I'm not going to stop worshiping. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop speaking faith until I feel it break, until I feel a change, until I feel something come from you that's not from man, that's not from the world, but straight from your spirit. He said, he said, he said God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The same man who thought he could bless himself. The same man who thought he could just be able to live a life without God and that it would be a life okay. Now he's saying, God, I need you. I need your blessing in my life. And in verse 27, he asked him, he says, what is your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. In this way, God was asking what kind of nature Jacob was living. Because Jacob means trickster, schemer, heel grabber, deceiver. Uh, you know, he would cheat his way to the top. And so he, God was asking, so well, well, how do you identify yourself? And he said, Jacob, I, I scheme, I, I, I plan, I, 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 I cheat people. I just try to get my own, even if that means at the cost of somebody else. And, and then he looks at him in verse 28, and he says, your name will no longer be Jacob. Be Jacob. God was looking at him and said, yes, that's who you were, but that's not who you have to be. You don't have to be your past. You don't have to be what your family said you are. You don't have to be, you have to, you don't have to be what, your, what your father was or what your mother was or what your great-granddad was, your great-grandmother you know, was. 
You don't have to be that. God looked at him and said, I know that's who you used to be, but that's not who you have to be. See, I know who you were in 2021, but you don't have to be that in 2022. I, I know who you were yesterday, but tomorrow you don't have to be like that. Only, can I say this? Only God gives that kind of opportunity. Without God, you're, we're in the same mess that we've always been. We, we have no other choice but to live a life of sin. We have no other choice but to live a life in captivity. But God gives us the choice. God gives us the opportunity to say, I know you're, you're in this place where you're locked up by sin or locked up by addiction, but that's not where you have to be. And only Jesus gives us that choice. And so he looked at him. He said, he said your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. But from now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. See, Jacob means trickster, like you said, deceiver. It means heel grabber. It means all the things with the kind of identity that Jacob was living. But Israel, Israel means to, in Hebrew, it means to, it means to wrestle with God, to, to fight with God. But I don't think that means in a sense of fighting against God. I think that means in a sense of fighting with God. See, what Jacob learned in that moment is that to live a life outside of his will is to really to live a life against God, to live a life in rebellion, to live a life of trying to get your own, to live a life of, of trying to get uh, your own purpose and plans and together, but to, but to live a life fighting with God. I mean, God is now on your side, that you are now living a life in God's will. Now God's fighting your battles. Now God is the one on your side. And now with God with you, who can stand against you? That's what going from Jacob to Israel meant is saying, no longer am I going to live a life against God. Because see, if you're not living in God's will, you're living life against God's will. Like there's no gray areas when it comes to God. Like there's no such thing of being outside God's will, but still not being against God's will. Like if you're outside of God's will, you're going against his will. God wants you in his will. God doesn't want us to live in rebellion. God doesn't want us to live a life always trying to seek our own purpose and plans. He wants us to live a life in his will. And so going from Jacob to Israel was going from a life that was scheming and deceiving to now a life of saying, God, I'm with you. God, I'm falling after you. God, I'm humbling myself to you. See, Jacob, he was, he was stubborn, but Israel, he was submissive. Point number two for tonight is that we have, we, with God, we have to surrender in order to succeed. With God, we have to surrender in order to succeed. To live for God is to die to your flesh. To live for God means that you might have to put down your own plans, your own dreams, your own things that you had um, wanting and ambitious for. To live for God might mean that you have to die to those things. Apostle Paul said it best in Romans 8. He said to, to live by the flesh is to die, by the, to, to, is to, to die, but to live by the Spirit and to die to the flesh is, is to live. To be able to say, I'm going to live according not to what my flesh desires, but to what the Spirit desires, that is dying to yourself. That is dying to the flesh. There's been times when I have pursued a plan, but God told me those plans are not mine, but yours. And I had to die to those plans. I had to die to those ambitions and say, God, I believe that you have a better plan in store for me than I do for myself. And with that type of thinking, that removes the, 
the, the boundaries that removes the limitations off your life. Because when you give God full control, even over your dreams and desires, that's when you're able to step in the fullness that God has for you. If you think that the plan that you have for your life is the plan that God has for you, can I say your mind can't wrap around God's plan? Your mind can't understand the goodness that God has for your life. God has something so great, so powerful. God has something so much bigger than what we could ever even dream or desire. And all it takes is for us to die to our flesh, to die to ourselves. And to say, God, I give up these things and I accept you. I give up these things, God, and I accept your plan over my life. And that removes the limitations over your life. That removes the, the blockages. That removes the intimidations. That removes anything that was keeping you from God's will. Because when you submit yourself to God and you die to yourself, now you're saying, even if I approach this obstacle even if i approach this opportunity i'm no longer fighting against god but now i'm fighting with him so it's not my battle it's god's battle now i don't have to worry about what's around the corner because god's already handling it that's the power of living in god's will and god's plan is that you don't have to worry about the future you don't have to worry about tomorrow you don't have to worry about how all these things are going to work out because now now you're living your life according to god's plan and god has it all figured out God, God already knows what's in here tomorrow. God already has the future figured out to where you don't even have to, you, you don't have to stay up late at night thinking about how this is going to work and how that's going to work and how this is going to get paid and how that's going to work out. You don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm not saying that you, you, know, you don't have to thank for yourself at all, but you don't have to worry. You, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live a life of fear any longer. That's not the type of life that God wants for us. When God's plan is in fulfillment in our lives, it's a, it's a life living without fear. It's a life living without intimidation and knowing that, yes, something might be so, so big, bigger than me, but there's something bigger on the inside of me. Now there's something that I can approach it with, and now I know I'm not by myself. Now I know I'm with God. And God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Come on, if you believe that now, can we just give Jesus a, a shout of praise? Father, we thank you for what you're doing. To be able to produce, a lot of times we have to reduce. We have to put our lives down. We have to be able to say, God, less of me and more of you. I think John the Baptist said it best. He said, I must become Less and less, he must become greater and greater, right? I must become least so he can become the great. And what does that mean? Does that mean the, the true you is not the most of you. It's actually the less of you. The, the true you isn't saying, I'm going to pursue all these things. The true you, I'm going to pursue what God wants for our lives. Can you stand with me tonight? I want to close with this scripture. In Matthew 16, 24. This is Jesus talking to his own disciples. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. See, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? It's anything worth more than your soul. 
lot of times we lose God's will in the seek of our own plans and the seek of our own purpose. We, we don't realize that to live a life with Jesus isn't to live a life fully with ourselves or fully seeking our own desires, but to live a life with Jesus is actually less of us and more of him. To live a life falling after Jesus isn't, isn't saying, God, I want more of me. I want more of this. I want more of that. It's actually saying, God, I want less of me. Oh, God, less of my flesh. God, less of, the, less of the things that get in the way, God, but more of your spirit. More of you, Jesus. More of what you have to offer. And when we begin to say, God, less of me and more of you, that's when we actually become our true identity. Jesus is the gold standard of your identity. Jesus is the gold standard of who we should model ourselves after. If you want to know what your true identity is, it's Jesus. The, the identity that he lived and gave to us. The identity of what the power he had. The identity of what he walked out and what he did. And when he said, greater things we will do. That is our true identity is by becoming less of us and more of him. I want to close with this thought and... Uh, for 2022, say in 2022, we need to pursue what is true instead of what is new. In 2022, let's pursue what is true instead of what is new. By pursuing what is true, I mean, let's not look for what is a reflection of us. Let's look for what is reflection of Jesus. Let's look for what is less of us and more of him. The greatest prayer that I've I've learned to, to pray, you know, really every day in my, in my walk with God is saying, God, less of me and more of you. Less of my humanity, God, and more of your spirits. God, less of, of these anxious thoughts, God, these insecurities, Father, less of these fears and these doubts, God, that I've been dealing with, God, but more of you, God, more of, of your joy and your confidence, God, and your peace, God, less of me and more of you, because the more we become like Jesus, the more we become true, the more we become the, the true us, the, the us that Jesus has planned for us. So I just want us to take tonight. With every head bowed and hand lifted, just want us to take tonight saying, God, less of me and more of you. For 2022, God, I don't want to search out and try to find what is new. I don't want to get caught up in what the world has to offer. I don't want to get caught up in, in the opinions of man, Father. Or God, I don't want to get caught up in the distractions. But God, I want to get a hold of what is true. God, I want to get a hold of more of you. God, less of me in 2022, God, and more of you, God. Less of myself, God. Less of my insecurities, Father. But, Father, more of you. God, more of what you have to offer. God, right now we just speak over every person on the sound of my voice and watching online, Father. That right now, God, any kind of insecurity, Father, anxiety, doubt, or fear, any type of humanity that's keeping us, Father, from stepping into the fullness that you have for us, God, we remove it right now in the name of Jesus. God, let there be nothing withholding our faith, God. Let there be nothing, God, withholding, God, our belief, Father, from you. But Jesus, instead, let us begin just to speak out, God, that we want more of you in our lives. We want more of you, Jesus, in 2022, God. We want 2022 to be a different year, God, that isn't dictated by our decisions, by our plans, God, that isn't dictated, God, by our own will, but, Father, is dictated by your spirit. That, Father, is dictated by the things that you want for us, Jesus.
about things you want for us, God. So as we sing together tonight, let's just sing and worship our way into 2022. Let's begin to say, God, less of me and more of you. Come on, let's sing together and let's give them the worship and the praise for this next year. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.